The Dark is Rising, a drama by Susan Cooper for BBC World Service. Episode 9, The Hawk in the Dark. A thunderous knocking came from the front door of the manor house, louder even than the screech of the blizzard. Across the room, the walker jumped, his face twisted tight with waiting. Paul played on on his flute, unhearing. Again, the crashing knock. And Will understood this noise was not for the ears of Paul and the villagers sheltering from the winter storm there in Miss Greythorn's manor. It was he who was called, who was bound to answer to something or somebody who wished him ill. When the dark comes rising, six shall turn it back. Free from the circle, free from the track. Good bronze and iron, water, fire and stone. I will return, one go Will walked through the unheeding people to the front door, took hold of its iron handle and... Open that! I have come for you, old one! Out of the darkness, the great black horse of the rider reared up high over Will's head, hooves flailing, eyes rolling white. But as Will instinctively threw up one arm in self-defense, the black stallion screamed, fell back, and riding the horse disappeared into the dark. But how did... why did the rider flee? One sign of fire you have with you already. What? Slowly, he brought down his arm, still crooked defensively up over his head, and saw something he had totally forgotten. The underside of your forearm, Will. The sign of iron burned you when we first met the dark together. Will, that's my mum. The pain! I'm coming, Mum! So as you threw up your arm when the rider reared at the door, you showed him the scar of that sign. And he could not bear it. One sign of fire has kept the dark at bay. Perhaps that sign had driven out the strongest attack of the dark, but then Will looked across the tranquil crowd, still listening to Paul play, and he saw... Walker standing tall, eyes bright, and he knew that he had been tricked, that in opening the door to the dark, he had allowed in a power that had strengthened the walker, and the walker had been waiting for. The summons to the dark from the walker rang out, but in Miss Greythorn's hall, no one could see or hear his incantations. All was proceeding as before. Friends and family began fading away from Will, changing, vanishing, and only the walker remained clear and present as before. But then... Farmer Dawson. Yes. Have no fear, Will. Farmer Dawson stepped easily out of his body and came towards Will, leaving his other self to fade as part of the present, followed by... John Smith. 
We are here with you, Will. All the old ones, able to move in and out of time, doubled themselves to group round him in the center of the ladies' hall. Us too? We will we stand will with stand you, stand with Will. You will. All of us. We will. Back to back. Facing outwards. Together. Together. The corners of a square. Here. 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 And all around the hall, the fires and the flames of the dark hissed and danced, white and blue and black only in colour, and the nine tallest flames stood up like trees of terrible shadow. And then Will saw... Merriman's hard eyes were not for Will, but for the walker. The walker shrank back a little and suddenly, through the mixture of longing and fear in his eyes, suddenly Will knew him, the walker was Hawkin. Hawkin? Hawkin. My liege man, my son. There is still time to come home. Now. Hawkin, every man has a last choice, a chance of forgiveness. It, it is not too late. Turn, turn, come to the light. Hawkin, liege man, turn away from the dark. You must try and remember there was love and trust between us once. You made me risk my life for a book. <laughs> for, for a book. And then, because I looked at kinder masters, you sent me back to my own time, but not as I had been before. You changed me from a man into a creature, always running, always searching, always hunted. You took away my right to sink to sleep in death. You made me carry the sign through 600 years until this age. I tell you, you may come home, Hawkins. You will stand up, old one. Yes, Walker. You, boy. It is all through you, this turning in time, that took away my good life as a man. It was all on your account, for your damned gift of grammary. I lost everything I had ever loved. Walker. Hawking now. Now. It is the last chance, and you may turn to the light and be as you were. I pray you, my son. No. My son. And your liege man 
Let's call that into this house as he did before and can again. Our each man, my lord. The hawk is in the dark. I am here. Merriman. Oh, I'm so cold. These fires. These candles. So That is what is bringing in the deep cold. Even as he thought this, his own century began to fade back in around them. Friends, family, villagers, all reappearing. It is the cold of the dark. Hawking has let them in, as he did in his first betrayal, and we cannot prevent that. Her only hope is what it was at the beginning. You see, he is mortal. Hawking is no more than a man, and so he is vulnerable. But when the spells of deep cold are made will, there is little that can be done against them. And they were back once more in the hall of Miss Greythorn's manor. Really but the cold was there too. Miss Greythorn, there's not much we can do to warm things up. All the electric power lines and the telephone are dead. But I have had all the house blankets and the quilts brought out. Oh, good. The fire runs short of wood, but at least it still burns. Mm. Electricity, hmm? Bah! I always knew the old house didn't approve. <laughs> Good thing we kept the old gas stoves, eh, Lion? Oh, indeed, madam. I'm having more wood brought out now. Oh, 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 as he passed the opening, a ragged figure leapt at him and seized his ankle. <laughs> Slow down, old one. Last of the old ones. You know what's going up to you? The cold's coming in and the dark will freeze you cold and stiff. Let's go! And you know who'll take the little signs, old one? I shall. The poor walker. I wear them. They're promised to me by the darkest reward for my services. I shall be the sign seeker. I shall! Oh! If only you knew what sort of danger he is. He must be the only warm object in the country. I'm going to put him to sleep for a while. It will ease his suffering and ours. So keep him there, John, while I go and get my The nine great ice candles. They're growing clearer. Yes. And now Dr. Armstrong was coming back towards the sick room with her black bag. And Will realized... There is a way, perhaps, of stopping the dark before the cold kills us all. Yes, Will. One person, unwitting, giving help to another. Right, hold him still, John. You too, Will. This is for his own good. The doctor slipped a needle deftly in and out of the walker's arm before the old man knew what she was doing. Right there, there. That'll help you. You have a deep sleep. Freeze, you freeze. And the signs will be mine, whatever you try. And as the mind of the walker closed, the dark's way into the house was closed too. All right, everyone. 
You can relax. Everything's under control. Oof. Well done, Doctor. Will's head whirled. Miss Greythorn's manner with its throng of familiar faces faded once more, and he was back in time once again in that great hall of the earlier age with the other old ones, and beside the hearth there was the lady. Oh, lady, madam, we have returned. Yes, Will, and you have done so very well. Now it is clear what is to be done. The nine great ice candles of the dark, the candles of winter. Take them before they fade. And the old ones scattered hastily into the hall, where the strange blue-white cylinders still burned ghostly with their dead, cold flames. Will leapt hastily onto a chair to seize the last. It was cold and smooth and heavy to his touch. Like ice that does not melt. Bearing the winter candles of the dark, the old ones advanced towards the great quartered iron circle of holders on the massive wooden table, and one by one they placed the candles into eight of the nine sockets. Now we'll stand up. Our candles are in place. You, you must complete the sign of fire. Will reached through to fit his candle into the last holder in the very center of the pattern. From the dark, Will Stanton. By cold magic, they called up the candles of winter for destruction. But now that we have seized them for the light, the candles become stronger and able to bring you the sign of fire. See? The flame of the candle that Will had placed began to grow. Its flame stood high above the rest. It became yellow, orange, red. It grew into a curved, strange flower of flame. And then each petal opened and melted away into the air, leaving only a glowing round seed pod, which broke open silently to reveal a golden red circle of a shape they all knew. Take it, Will. I'm ready. But he was not, for as he put out his hand, the great slender flower stalk bent over towards him and the golden circle fell into it, and he staggered at the surge of invisible power that struck him. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, like fire made metal. And there are words on it. No, in it. Light, mech, het, the light ordered that I should be made. Let the sign bring light! The sound of the dark's thwarted fury beat in his ears, and suddenly time moved forward. And Will was back again in Miss Greythorn's hall, and all around him were friends and family and villagers, their faces now turned wonderingly to the roof and the rumbling roar beyond. What is that? Thunder? Ray! It's Ray! Oh. <laughs> excellent, excellent! The thaws here are 
Will, am I going loopy or does this perishing room suddenly feel warmer? No, yes, it's warmer. It's warmer! Funny. It was so hideously cold for a while. I suppose they've got the central heating going again. No, no, no. They haven't given up. Of course, the dark has not given up. Will, Paul, come quickly. It's your brother James. Get Tad now. And the doctor. Mum's had an accident. She fell down the stairs. She's still unconscious. And we think she's got a broken leg. No! Okay, wait there, Will. Dad? Dad? Did they do that? Did they? The lady said... It's possible. They cannot harm you, true, and they cannot destroy mortals. But they can encourage men's own instincts to do them harm. Or bring an unexpected clap of thunder when someone is standing at the top of a flight of stairs. I'm sorry, Dad, I didn't know what else to do. Will, come with me, Paul and James. Home as fast as we can. Run! Now! Darkest Rising, a drama by Susan Cooper. Episode 9 of 12 was adapted for audio by Robert McFarlane and Simon McBurney. Directed by Simon McBurney. Produced by Catherine Bailey and Tim Bell and is a Complicité and Catherine Bailey production for BBC World Service and is commissioned by Simon Pitts. <laughs>